Thank you. Let's take the word of God and turn to the New Testament book of Romans chapter 16, if you would please. Romans chapter 16. I want to share a thought with you tonight. I hope that will encourage you. Romans 16, and we'll begin reading together from verse number 17 and reading down to the end of the chapter. Romans 16, that's the last chapter of the book of Romans, just before you get to 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I think we'll just stop there this evening. The verse of our sermon tonight is verse number 20. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we feel the darkness around us. We sense, Lord, that this world is not becoming a better place. We feel evil, wickedness, and darkness in every corner, everywhere we turn. We pray that tonight thy spirit may bring hope, joy, and expectation to every heart here this evening. And if there be one here this evening that still is not sure about Christ Jesus, that has never called out for salvation, we pray that this night would be the night, the glad night of salvation for them. Use this meeting, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What do you do when it looks like Satan is winning? When darkness seems to be prevailing. We look at the news today and think about the crisis in Eastern Europe. and Think about continuous government overreach. Think about Iranian missiles being fired upon the U.S. consulate in Iraq this morning. And hear of depression deeper and deeper, more and more suicide. What do you do when it looks like Satan is winning? I'll tell you what you do. You remind yourself that Satan is defeated. You remind yourself that Satan will not be defeated, but he already is. He is. Sometimes we imagine that God is trying his best to win and trying his best to gain control. And sometimes we have this idea that he's trying to catch up, but you could not be further from the truth. The Bible says that he sits in the heavens and he laughs, not at 
are troubles, but he laughs at those wicked, evil men who think that they're in control. You see, it's interesting when you begin to look at scriptures, all of the Bible, you realize from the very first book in the Bible, in fact, from the third chapter in the scriptures, it is prophesied about Satan's demise. Genesis chapter three and verse number 15, right after the fall in the garden, after the sin of Adam and Eve, the punishment is given, the result is given, and a word is given to the serpent, Satan. And God says, I will put enmity between thee, that's the serpent, Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Well, her seed speaking, we know, reading the rest of Scripture, comparing the Scripture with Scripture, we understand her seed to be Jesus. I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, and it, her seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. A prophecy in the very third chapter of the Bible told us and foretold us that Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus. That he might, he would sink his fangs into the heel of Jesus. But Jesus would bruise the head of the serpent. Literally crush his head. Every once in a while, all we can see is Satan biting, latching on one after another. But what you cannot see and what you have not seen is the foot of Jesus Christ on the throat of that dragon. And Jesus didn't, it wasn't just foretold and prophesied, Jesus did crush Satan's head, his nasty, gnarly head at the cross of Calvary. And yes, uh, Satan, certainly he did sink his fangs into the heel of our Savior. Jesus was stricken. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, literally beat to pieces for our iniquities. And Satan thought he had him. Satan thought that because he put his fangs in the heel of Jesus, he thought that Christ Jesus was a goner. When he clamped his fangs on the Lord Jesus, when he hung upon that cross and released every drop of venom that he had left, and when Jesus died, Satan thought he won. In fact, everybody thought Satan won. The disciples, as we looked this morning, thought Satan had won. It worked. That's what they thought. The plan of Satan had worked. That's what it looked like. He had won. Jesus, the so-called king of glory, was dead. And what went through the mind of Satan and all the devils and imps of hell was that this savior was just a weak and pathetic savior. Look at him hanging defeated on a tree. They all marched around. So weak that he couldn't even carry his own cross. So defeated that he had to be carried down off of the cross and laid into a tomb. Satan, the adversary, the devil, the slanderer had finally won. Or so he thought. 
But on the dawn of the first day of the week, three days later, Matthew tells us there was a great earthquake. And I'm sure that earthquake interrupted Satan's tailgate party. And I'm sure that when the earth began to quake, hell's three-day binge was over. The earth quaked, the stone was rolled away, and out stepped King Jesus, alive and well. The Bible says his countenance was like lightning, his raiment was white as snow. Can you imagine that morning? And the very first place he stepped when he exited the tomb was on that swollen head of the serpent. The very first place his shining foot landed was on the temple of Satan. And he squashed the brains out of that old dragon. The death blow was given. That's what the Bible tells us. And I'll say it again tonight, Satan is defeated. The Bible tells us in the New Testament in several portions of Scripture what happened. In John chapter 12, Jesus giving us an understanding of what was going to happen when he died. Jesus said, this voice, speaking of the voice of his father, came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of the world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church and explains what happened when Jesus hung upon the cross. When it looked like Jesus was being defeated, actually Jesus was gaining victory. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 13, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Watch what he did at the cross. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Would you look here for one moment? The only thing Satan has against you is the record of your sins. The one thing he's called the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name means. And what he holds before the throne of God is the list of your sins And he declares before God that you are guilty. But the Bible tells us when Jesus hung on the cross, he took that list of sins and he nailed it to the cross. So that could no longer accuse you. And the one thing Satan had in his defense against you has been taken away. In fact, the Bible says he took your sins and cast them into the depths of the sea so Satan can't find them anymore. The Bible says he separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. So if Satan wanted to accuse you, he couldn't. The scriptures say when Jesus did that, he spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's what Jesus did on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 2, we're told a little bit more. In verse 14 and 15, the scriptures say this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, that's Jesus, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You say, why did God become a man? I'll tell you why he became a man, so he could die. And in dying, he would kill the one who had the power of death, which was Satan. And he would deliver them who through fear of death 
were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Isn't that amazing? Most of humanity is frightened to death of dying. The last two years proved that, didn't it? The last two years proved that all of humanity was frightened to die. So people hold up in their houses, put on 16 masks, whatever it took because they were frightened of dying. And the Bible says Jesus took that fear away. Because what do you have to be afraid of? Because death is only entrance into eternity. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Satan is defeated. Let me encourage you tonight. The next time Satan whispers in your ear that you'll always be like this, that there is no hope for you, that there's no use in even trying, remind him of the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. It is finished. Over. Game over. War complete. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 8. The scriptures tell us even further why Jesus Christ came. 1 John 3 verse number 8. The Bible says this. That he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. And for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Now you might naturally think probably with me this evening. That if Satan is defeated then why is he still on the rampage? If Jesus did crush the head of Satan at the cross and at the resurrection, then how come Satan is still squirming beneath the foot of Jesus? By the way, that's all he's doing. I don't understand it all, but I do know that God is in complete control and that God is even using the attempts of Satan to fulfill God's own purposes. So the next time you're discouraged... And you think that it looks like evil is winning. Be reminded that God is in control. An old Puritan writer once described Satan's defeat in three stages. He said that Satan has been defeated at the cross and at the tomb. He is being defeated by Christ's followers today. And he will ultimately be defeated when he's cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. But there's further good news that we read in our text this evening that I hope will encourage you. The Bible says in that simple little verse of Romans 16, verse 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan. He shall crush Satan. Not you, but God. The God of peace. We look around the world today and everybody says, pray for peace. Pray for peace in Eastern Europe and pray for peace here and pray for peace There, the only way there will ever be peace in this world is when the Prince of Peace is ruler of all. He is ruler of all, but all have not bowed the knee to him yet, but they will. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan, shall crush the accuser of the brethren, and he shall do it, look what it says, under your feet. I got a little bit excited in my office, the study this afternoon when I was thinking about this, that God has chosen to crush Satan beneath our feet. Think about that. I'm nobody. Most of the time I feel like he's stepping on me. But the Bible says that God shall crush Satan beneath your feet. Now I've often thought, well, how on earth is that even possible? 
I think we get an idea the more you study the scriptures and the more you begin to recognize your relationship with Jesus, you begin to realize how that's possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 22, listen to these words. The scriptures say, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, circle those two words, remember those two words, in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Can I tell you that every enemy will put, be put beneath the feet of Jesus? And that means if you are in Christ, then whatever is under his feet is under yours. Whatever victory he wins is yours. Whatever advancement he makes is your advancement. Because we are in Christ. And all that he has has been given unto us. It's a marvelous and remarkable truth. Psalm chapter 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, David writing, saying, the Lord, the Jehovah God said to my Lord, my master being Jesus Christ, David recognized this, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Do you know where Jesus is sat today? At the right hand of God the Father, because his enemies are being made his footstool. As we speak right now, the enemies of Jesus Christ are being put beneath his feet. You may not understand it all at the moment, but you will. You will see it. The scriptures say this, I love this thought, that if you and I be in Christ, every time the Lord Jesus stomps down on his enemy, you and I stomp down. We have victory in Christ. The scriptures say something very encouraging in the rest of this verse. The God of all peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. You might say, when? When? Because I'm still struggling, you might think. I'm still struggling with sin or I'm still struggling with addiction. I'm still struggling with this old flesh and I, I still don't see properly. And I, I'm so easily distracted and I'm so up and down like a roller coaster. And I'm, I'm, I'm being buffeted by depression and discouragement. When will he put Satan under my feet? Soon. Soon. The Bible says the God of peace shall bruise un Satan under your feet shortly. Soon. Soon it will all be over. Soon you will see those beady eyes of Satan beneath your toes. Soon. Oh, but come on, this is what was written 2,000 years ago. Romans chapter 13, just a couple of chapters before, in verse number 12, Paul wrote, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Now, if the night was far spent then, surely it is now. If the day was at hand then, surely it is now. And you might be tempted to think, but come on, 2,000 years and he still hasn't come? There's one New Testament writer that speaks of this. That's Peter. Peter tells us and he explains this, this seeming contradiction that 
Jesus said he would come soon. And here we are 2,000 years later still saying he's coming soon to Peter. Peter writes to us in his second letter, chapter 3. And he says something very interesting in verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. Walking after their own lusts. Saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, listen carefully, he says to believers, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. So the next time you think, well, come on, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died and rose again. And he's been saying, you Christians have been saying for 2,000 years he's coming back. No, actually it's been two days. Just two days. In the eyes and mind of God, a 1,000 years are like a day. God is outside of time. And so a child of God, a Christian, is to live believing and expecting Christ Jesus to come at any moment. He goes on to say this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. No, but he is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Would you look this way for a moment? The reason Christ Jesus has not yet come is because there are more souls to be saved. That's why. There are more to be saved, and maybe tonight you're here, you've never been born again, you're still lost in your sins, dead in trespasses and sins, and you think we're all a bunch of nutters. But can I tell you something? If Jesus comes back tonight, and he crushes Satan once and for all beneath his heel, you will be crushed with him. And God in mercy gives a little more time for you to repent of your sins and come to Christ. He is not willing, he does not want any to perish, the scriptures say. But rather, that all should come to repentance. The only alternative to perish is repenting. The only other choice. Oh, but I don't want to perish, I don't want to be crushed beneath the foot of God. Then repent. Turn from your sins. Acknowledge and admit before God you are not what you should be. Stop pretending. Stop trying to act like you don't need God. Face up to the facts that you are lost, dead in trespasses and sins. And if you got what you deserved, you'd be on your way down a one road, a one road track to hell, one way ticket. If you would admit that tonight and look to Jesus Christ and recognize that on the cross, Jesus took all of your sins, the things that make you guilty. The things that make you guilty before a holy, righteous God. If you would admit and recognize that Jesus took all of those things, he put them upon himself, and he suffered the agony that you should suffer for those sins so that you might be forgiven, so that you might be set free, so that you might be delivered. The scriptures say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
Well, when will God finally, finally do away with Satan? Okay, I understand that uh, you say that Satan was crushed at the cross and he's being crushed beneath the feet of God's people as they stand upon the promises of God's word. But when will Satan be taken up, bound, and cast into the lake of fire for all eternity, never to trouble God and his people anymore? When shall that happen? Soon. Soon. That's all I can say. Soon. And it's going to happen when you least expect it. So you've got to be ready now. Some of you call yourselves Christians and you're just not ready. You're flippant about it all. You can take it or leave it. You're living more for the world than you are for God. You come to church to ease your conscience. You're not really living for Christ. And when he comes back, you're going to be caught not ready. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Here's what he says. Look here for a moment. Knowing that that day is going to come when you least expect it. And when it comes, it will be a day of utter devastation. How should you be living? How should you be living right now? In all manner of holy living and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Are you looking for that day? Are you hasting to it? Are you running towards it? I hope you are. Because that will be the day. When finally, that great accuser of the brethren shall be put away for all eternity. And I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? Amen. I believe by faith he is defeated. And I believe by faith that God, the God of peace, is crushing him beneath my feet even now. But there's coming a day when he shall once and for all utterly be destroyed. And towards that day, I'm pressing Glory. and looking. Glory. I want to encourage you tonight that he is defeated. Satan is defeated. So live like it. Stop living like you're defeated. Stop living like he is stepping on you. And you start stepping on him. By the grace of almighty God. That's the last thing he says in that verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace to keep treading on his head. Grace to keep stepping over top. Grace to recognize that he is defeated. And that's what we need tonight. Let's bow our heads together. Father, help us this evening to be on the right side. Help us to know whom we have believed. May we examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. It is clear through the whole world that darkness and evil seems to be prevailing. But I pray we might recognize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. May we read thy word and take courage and may our faith be increased to see that the accuser of the brethren, the wicked one, is defeated. He is being crushed beneath our feet and shall be once and for all very soon. And I pray, Lord, that we may 
by the grace of Jesus Christ, keep treading on. Help us, we pray. May we not fear the darkness. May we recognize that the light of the world is within us. We are indeed the only answer to the darkness. Help us, we pray. Give us victory from day to day. We pray that the accuser of the brethren would have no more power in our ear, that he may be cast down and beneath our feet once again. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and for his sake.